This morning, so we're just going to talk, talk about uh, chapter 23 to two, the last chapter, chapter 28. And I just have entitled this message, Nothing is Wasted. Nothing is Wasted. Nothing is Wasted. The best thing, the, my favorite thing about God is that nothing that we go through is wasted, ever, ever. Sometimes it feels like it is, and sometimes we don't realize until it's over that it wasn't wasted, but I promise you, nothing is wasted. This is the kindness of God. I love it. So... We're finishing up with Acts today, and so we're just going to look at this chunk of Scripture. Um, who has, If you've been following along with devotions, you'll kind of be um, caught up a little bit, but if not, we're just going to jump into it anyway. It's all going to be cool. So because this last portion of Acts, and actually just like most of the book, it's actually more, it feels like more of a kind of record of what's happening as opposed to theology. And so it doesn't mean that there's no theology in the book of Acts. There definitely is. But who remembers um, the Duncan method where we have our orange highlighter? Did anyone, does anyone remember one, one Sunday we gave out orange highlighters to everyone? I still have like 200 left in my office if anyone wants one. Um, and the idea is that when we read the Bible... We highlight in orange highlighter whatever is specifically for us to do. So our job is to trust or our job is to pray or whatever it is. Anything that is specific to us and our behavior and our habits and whatever, we highlight those things and God does the rest. Everything else is up to God. So this kind of book, Acts, we couldn't really do that through Acts. Hey, we kind of had a little bit of a go in our connect group, but you know, it's it's lots of stories, lots of history, lots of record and we love that. That's amazing. So we won't be doing that today. So because we have not a huge number of like Greek words to dissect or anything like that. What we're going to do is I'm just going to share with you three quick insights from these last chapters, things that just jumped out at me as I read through the, um, the end of the book. So there's three words that you need to remember. The first word is prison. Say to the person next to you, prison. <laughs> Don't say it with a creepy face. The next word is Crete. Say Crete. And the next word is Malta. Say Malta. Prison, Crete, Malta, these are the three words that we need to remember this morning. And all of these three words, they actually represent setbacks for Paul. They are not part of Paul's plan at all. And they're not insignificant setbacks, like they're not little things. They are prison, shipwreck, in trouble with the authorities kind of things. Like they're pretty big things. So what's happening, as you'll know, um, as you've been working through the book, is Paul is getting into heaps of trouble for sharing the news about Jesus' resurrection, specifically the idea of resurrection. Um, and like this is a, it's amazing because this news, it means that no one is kept at arm's length from God anymore. Like this is a beautiful, amazing, amazing message. Anyone can be forgiven. Diversity is welcome in the kingdom of God. Everyone is equal in the eyes of God. No matter their race, no matter their age, no matter their background, their past decisions, their gender, their social standing, nothing matters. Nothing else matters. Jesus' death and resurrection has leveled the playing field. And everybody is the same in the sight of God. And so Jesus is like, everyone, come to me, come to me. That's the whole, that's, that's Jesus' deal. How beautiful, right? It's so beautiful, so wonderful. And historically, so foreign. Jesus is the first person who has said this, the first God, if you like, who has said this. Come to me. Everyone is welcome. Everyone is forgiven. There's nothing that you need to do for God to love you except to trust in Jesus. So this is like revolutionary. And for this reason, as we've heard in the video, the Roman authorities were like, this is not good for us. We're not going to have our like levels of, you know, how amazing people are. We're not going to be able to, you know, all of these. There are massive implications for the Roman Empire that everyone would be equal and that everyone would be accepted by God. So they're they're not happy about this at all. 
But what a beautiful message that is challenging the status quo and the cultural values of the time, particularly undermining the Roman way of doing things. So, first word, prison. Say prison. (laughs) In um, chapter 24, Paul is on trial. Oh, here we go. Uh, It's the Sanhedrin. Chapter 23 is the Sanhedrin. Chapter 24, he's on trial with a governor called Felix. Chapter 25, is James and Millie here? I was going to suggest Festus as a name for their baby. Can you just pass that on if you see them this week? Um, Chapter 26, he's on trial with King Agrippa. So even though each trial that happens, each trial that Paul goes through, nothing, the, the charges don't quite stick to him because he's not really done anything wrong. He's just upsetting the way that the Romans would like things to be with this beautiful message of Jesus. And so this resulted really in a bunch of prison time, a bunch of like being in prison for just ages, for ages. <laughs> and um, so this, I, I think this, this is what is so interesting and probably just my first insight for this last chunk of the book of Acts is that this could have been seen as a setback to Paul. And it was, right? It was a setback. (laughs) We can't say it wasn't. It was. It was not his best plan. He was not living his best life by any means. However, during that time, because all all through the book of Acts, we see God orchestrating like all of this goodness out of all of these horrible, hard things, because God is so kind... um, Paul, astonishingly, in jail, guys, in jail, he writes the New Testament books of Colossians, Ephesians, Philemon, and Philippians. In prison. How wild. Imagine for a moment that you're in jail. Just close your eyes. Don't think of your house. Imagine for a moment that you're in jail, not because you've done anything wrong, but mostly because of the choices and of the insecurities of somebody else. You're in jail. It's not even your fault. (laughs) crazy. Imagine your emotional and physical response. Imagine what those responses might be if you were in that situation. I'm not sure about you, but my response would probably not to be writing messages of encouragement to you, Marka. Like, I love you, but if I'm in jail, I'm probably not going to be writing those messages. But this is what Paul is doing by the power of the Holy Spirit in this difficult situation that feels like a setback. It is still productive That is crazy, but is the goodness of God and the work of the Holy Spirit in Paul's life. And so, um, there's lots of great things that Paul writes, and I'm just going to read a few of them to you. They're not on the screen, but I'm just going to read some of them to you. And as I read them, just just have that filter. Paul's in jail. He's in jail. He's being unfairly treated. Um, Lots of stuff is going wrong. Nothing is going the way that he thought it would go. And these are the things that he writes. This is from Ephesians. He writes, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus, he's writing to the Christians in Ephesus, and your love for all the saints, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus, the glorious Father, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in your knowledge of him. Can you imagine being in that situation and writing that to somebody else? That's the kind of letter that you want to receive. But here is Paul writing these letters to other Christians that they would be encouraged and that they would be strengthened. Aren't you glad for the work of the Holy Spirit? Even when you, are, you feel like you're in a prison, whatever that might look like for your life, the Holy Spirit, we have the Holy Spirit in us, living in us, 
which means that nothing that we go through is wasted. Praise God for that. This is what else Paul writes. Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, has made us alive with Christ, even while we were dead in our trespasses. It is by grace that we have been saved. He writes lots of amazing things, amazing things in prison, in chains, hungry, tired. <laughs> this is incredible. We've re- if you've been in church for a long time, you've probably read this a million times. Yep, Paul's in prison when he wrote this. No, Paul's in prison when he wrote this. <laughs> this is incredible. <laughs> Praise God for the work of his Holy Spirit. What on earth? How does this come from prison? How do these words come from prison? So I'm not saying this morning that when you are going through something difficult that you didn't plan, that feels like a prison to you, that you need to write a major theological work. That's not what I'm saying this morning. But what I am saying and what I think that can help us this morning is that even in those times, those seasons in our lives that do feel like a prison, that nothing is wasted. God does not waste anything. He is so kind. I am saying that depending on our outlook and our closeness to God in situations that we feel like might be a prison, that it can be, and I tread so lightly saying this, it can be productive. It can be productive. It's not wasted. So for the sake of not being a really terrible pastor, let me just, <laughs> let me just also say that when your friend this week or next week or whenever is going through something really difficult, very difficult and very hard, I'm, what I'm not saying is don't go to them and throw a scripture in their face and say, you just need to have more faith and you just need to pray. No, no, that's not what I'm saying. That's the moment when that person needs you to just be the hands and feet of Jesus as they walk through whatever they're going through. Is that cool? More than the scriptures in their face, what they need is for you to be the hands and feet of Jesus. So let's be the church that does that, hey? And we pray for one another when we are in our prisons and in our trials. I love Umpur. Is she here today? Maybe she's out with the kids. One thing she says about prayer is she says, we live by it. We live by it. Prayer. Yes, prayer. We live by it. I love that. I love that. Um, It is, however, true that there are some seasons in our life that we go through in which we will learn significant things and experience significant things that cannot be learned any other way. There are some experiences that no matter how horrible and no matter how difficult, they actually serve us in the long run if we allow the Holy Spirit to use them, if we allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us. And we will likely underestimate the significance of these things until we can look back and say, yes, God, I see you there. I see you. I can see that you were at work there. I can see that you strengthened me there. I can see that you're with me there. Praise God. Praise God for his goodness. You know, we look at Acts and we look at the life of Jesus And the same was true. Hard things that they went through, incredible fruit, right? And so what I want to say to you today is that if you are in what you feel like is a prison, that firstly, it's not wasted. It's not wasted. And secondly, God is still the same. God is still the same as he was with Paul. God is still the same. Uh, when Jesus was, you know, going through crazy things and, and, the, and God was strengthening him and he would pray, God is still the same. <laughs> so that means whatever prison you are in, whatever you're going through at the moment, God is still the same. He's still here. He's still here. He sees you. He hears you. Let's not forget. Let's not forget. He's so kind. I'm so glad that Paul didn't just decide to wait it out 
and not assign any value <laughs> to the prison he was in. It sounds strange to say, doesn't it? But this is the upside down nature of God, that God can take something that we call bad and he can bring something good out of it. And we praise him for that. So wonderful. So Paul's prisoner setbacks throughout these last chapters, they were preparation time in a way. It was church building time. It was faith building time. It was expecting the miraculous time, celebrating Jesus kind of time. This is what was happening while he's in prison. Crazy, crazy. And so let's ask the question this morning. What is your prison or your setback right now? Whatever it is, just have a think. Might be big, might be small. Whatever it is. Let's just ask ourselves, how might, how, how might God use this for my preparation? Imagine having a heart, like a heart posture that always says, God, what can you teach me while I'm here? Because <laughs> who knows, our first prayer, we want our first prayer to be, God, get me out of here. <laughs> Take this away. <laughs> Make it stop, whatever it is. And that's cool. Pray those prayers and praise God when he does that. <laughs> praise God when he does take it away or when he does deliver us and rescue us. Sometimes there are things that we do just need to walk through and maybe a good question is, God, what can you teach me here? What can I learn here as I'm walking through this? Because that means that your trial or your prison is not wasted. It's not wasted. It's productive. Not every bad season of your life is useless. And the very best thing about God is that nothing that we go through is wasted. We praise God for that. So tell someone next to you, before we move to the next point, this is not wasted. This is not wasted. Your faces are like, don't make me say something else. <laughs> I promise that's the last one for today. <laughs> nothing is wasted. If you forgot everything we talked about this morning and you remembered with God, nothing is wasted, that would be incredible. Praise God for that. Nothing is wasted. That is a win. Second word, Crete. I told a lie. Say the word Crete. <laughs> So after this time of being passed from one, tri uh, one trial and one jail to another, and no one really knows what to do with Paul, he's thrown on a boat with some other prisoners, but it's winter, right? And everyone knows that you don't sail in winter, apparently. I didn't know that, but I just read that this week. You don't sail in winter. <laughs> it's freezing and it's difficult and it's slow. However, they are sailing and they get to Lycia. And chapter 27 reads like this. You can, you can look it up if you like, and I think we have it on the screen. There, the centurion found an Alexandrian ship sailing for Italy and put us on board. I'll go down to verse 9. It says, Much time had been lost and sailing had already become very dangerous because by now it was after the Day of Atonement, which is kind of like the local way of saying everyone knows that you don't sail after that day. It's like how everyone says you need to have your fire on in Armadale to remember its day. You know, it's that kind of thing. Everyone knows you don't sail after that day. You don't sail in winter. So Paul said to them, guys, I can see this voyage is going to be disastrous and bring great loss to the ship and to our cargo and, and to our own lives also. But the centurion, instead of listening to what Paul had said, he followed the advice of the pilot and the owner of the ship. So not long after this, things got even more wild and, and they are shipwrecked in winter at one point, Paul's like, I told you guys this would happen. I don't know if you have read through that um, at all in the last few weeks. He's like, don't do it. They do it. He's like, I told you. <laughs> but don't worry. God's going to save our lives. That's how good God is. He's so kind. 
So something that I learned as I read through the book of Acts, just like reading different things, different bits and pieces, was that the name Crete, which I think we have on a slide, thanks Abs, it actually means um, carnal or fleshly. And so you know the word cretins? <laughs> That's where this word comes from, you cretin. Uh, Crete, carnal and fleshly. So their response to life, it's all about like what I want, what I feel, um, everything is carnal and fleshly. And I found this so interesting because they set sail from Crete, right? They set sail from carnality and from flesh to get where they needed to go and it did not go well. It did not go well. Paul and the other prisoners became shipwrecked. So what does that mean for us? I'm not trying to read into this. I just thought it was really interesting, okay? (laughs) Not creating a theology of my own. But um, I think a good question to ask is, do I I set sail from Crete, from flesh, from my fleshly whatever I want, from my anger, from my fear? Do I ever hop into a boat? Can I have that boat? Whoever is here, is Andrew still here? No, he's gone. Duncan and Chris, can you just drag that boat over here? Just right up here. Thanks, honey. (laughs) I was talking to Andrew, not Duncan. I just saw him in the (laughs) door. Okay, this is my Alexandrian sailing ship. (laughs) I tried to borrow a, a different boat, but I, yeah, I couldn't find one because this is Armadale and not Alexandria. So let's imagine that this is a, this is where this is the boat that we set sail from, right? So will I every time I jump in the boat, translation, every time I make a decision about my life, every time I respond to another person, every time my flesh, my emotions, my whatever is telling me to do a certain thing, This is like where I set sail from. Will I set sail from Crete? Will I set sail from my flesh, from my fear, from my anger, from my betrayal, whatever? Will I set sail? So I'm going to give you an example and I'll tell you a little story. Andrew has been applying for the same job (laughs) that he has really wanted for um, 10 years. He has applied 12 times. The last time he applied, he was almost not going to apply. He was like, oh, I think maybe we just give up on that. Like, maybe we just leave that dream behind, you know, this kind of thing. I'm like, and I, I'm like, yeah, maybe we should, you know, <laughs> the supportive wife that I am. And um, he's, like, he's like, oh, I'll just give it a go. I'll just, I'll just put it in. I'll just put the application in. We'll see what happens. Guys, he got that job, right? I know. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. Um, it's so amazing. It's the answer to many a prayer. And so we're so excited about that. What that means is that Andrew will need to be away for three months. And I'm freaking out, you guys. So (laughs) this is one great example. And I think my pants might get wet when I sit in here, but that's okay. Um, So I'm going to hop in the boat now because I'm responding to this news that Andrew's going to be away for three months. My kids are freaking out because I'm not a good cook. My dogs are freaking out because, my dog is freaking out, poor Max, because he is, oh thanks, because he is going to be my sounding board every night for (laughs) these three months that Andrew's away. Thank you so much. See, who's going to give me the cushion when he's away? Anyway, so I'm I'm jumping in this, I'm setting sail from 
from Creed, right? Or maybe I'm not, I don't know. But this is the option that I have. I can jump in this boat um, and I can set sail from my flesh, from my emotions that are telling me that I can't do this while he's away. It's too hard. How can I prepare messages? How can I pastor? How can I look after my kids? How can I do all of these things without his help? How am I, I don't even know how I'm going to get washing done, you guys. <laughs> I, I'm like, this is my fleshly response. I am freaking out. So I can set sail from here, right? I can set sail from here. That's my decision to set sail in my fear, in my anxiety, to set sail from my flesh, from these carnal things. Or, or I have the choice that I can ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, will you help me? It feels like I can't do this, but I don't want to set sail and be shipwrecked from my flesh. I just want to trust Holy Spirit that you're with me and that you will help me. So whatever this means for you, getting out of the boat now, whatever this means for you, imagine like imagine heading into this week and in, over Christmas, who has a wild family and you're like, I have to confront them over Christmas, anyone? Yeah, it's okay, we all have those. <laughs> I just wonder if we could remember before we respond, before we respond in anger, before we don't go in fear, whatever it is, I just wonder if we could just, before we put our foot in that boat, if we could just go, am I responding out of my flesh here? Or can I ask the Holy Spirit to teach me and to lead me and to strengthen me and to help me in this situation? So let's remember this boat, hey? Let's just remember the boat until after Christmas. We're all going to come back. You can tell me all the stories. It's going to be amazing. But what a great question to ask. Do I set sail from my flesh? Because every time I do that, it doesn't end well. (laughs) I need the Holy Spirit to help me. So we praise God for the Holy Spirit. Yeah, cool. So, and another just disclaimer, I'm not talking about, you know, every time we make a tiny decision, like should we buy Crocs or not? Don't buy Crocs. That's the Holy Spirit speaking to you right now. (laughs) Who owns Crocs, anyone? You're too scared to put it. Just going to pretend I didn't see that hand because I love you so much. (laughs) I'm not talking about these little things like what we wear and, you know, like I'm not talking about those tiny things. I'm talking about our inner responses to what's happening around us, our inner responses to someone who has said something or done something or, you know, it could be a million things. You know what it is for you already. This is what I'm talking about. Our response, will it be fleshly or will we invite the Holy Spirit in? And I think it's so important that we do. Awesome. So number three, Malta. Say Malta. That's the last thing you have to say. (laughs) And I'm going to ask Kesh to come if that's all right. So last observation. Paul's ship, along with the other prisoners, is shipwrecked after setting sail from Crete and eventually lands at a place called Malta. And I was also so interested to learn that Malta means refuge. How beautiful. Malta means refuge. Listen to, listen to this from Acts 28. I think we have it on the slide. Next one, Abby. Uh, once safely on shore, we found out that the island was called Malta. The islanders showed us unusual kindness. 
unusual kindness. They built a fire and welcomed us all because it was raining and cold. I think there's one more abs. There was an estate nearby that belonged to some guy that I'm not going to say his name, the chief of uh, the official of the island. He welcomed us back to his home and he showed us generous hospitality for three days. Listen to this. His father was sick in bed, suffering from a fever. Paul went in to see him and after prayer placed his hands on him and, and healed him. When this happened, the rest of the sick on the island came and they were all cured. They honoured us. They honoured us in many ways. And when we were ready to sail... They furnished us with the supplies we needed. This is so interesting to me that they have set sail from flesh. They've set sail from Crete. They've crash landed. They knew it wasn't going to go well. Yet they land at this place called Malta and they find refuge and they find the kindness and the provision of God. How incredible. And again, not reading too much into this and not creating my own ethology uh, theology, but what I do know that is true is that even when we've ended up in a place that we did not expect to be, refuge is never far, never. God can still meet you and provide for you wherever you find yourself. That's how kind He is. He's so kind. And we see with Paul on this island that he found kindness and hospitality even in a place that he didn't plan to be. Sometimes we find ourselves so very far from where we planned to be. Has anyone felt like that? I have. So very far from where you planned. But this record of this shipwreck, it also reminds me that God can still work through me, <laughs> even in a place that I didn't intend to find myself. That should be a great encouragement to you. It's an encouragement to me. And what I would say is don't write yourself off from the purposes of God because you are waiting for a better season with no challenges. Spoiler alert, that is never. It is never. <laughs> there will never be a time where there are no challenges, where things are perfect, where you're like, okay, I'll follow you now, Jesus. Never, never. Let's just follow Jesus no matter what the season. Let's just do it. Let's just follow Jesus. You might not be where you thought you were supposed to be today in your life, but I know for sure that God is where you are. What a beautiful thing to speak over yourself every day. God is where I am. When you wake up, whenever, whatever day it is this week and you're dreading work or you're dreading whatever it is, you're wondering if you should just jump in the boat and set sail in your fleshly whatever. What a beautiful thing to remember. God is close to me. God is wherever I am. God is wherever I am. <laughs> Praise God for that. Praise God for that. God is wherever I am. There is no place that you will find yourself that is too far for God to show kindness to you. And the Holy Spirit can bring refuge and peace and hope even in a place where you feel like, I've crashed here, I've crashed. Do you know that's okay? It's not too hard for God. He's ready, He's waiting to show His kindness, to provide for you, to bring healing to you. And we praise God for that. So what can we take away from this this morning? First one, I think the next slide adds. Yeah. First thing we need to remember is nothing is wasted. Just like these many stories of Paul. And we praise God that they're recorded, that we get to read these stories and go, wow, God, I see you in this story. Nothing is wasted. The next thing is even in my prison, even my prison can be fruitful. And this is the time that we ask 
God, what can you teach me here? I'm not saying that we thank God necessarily that we're in a horrible situation. I am saying we can ask to not allow it to be wasted. We can ask God, what do you want to teach me here? Because I don't want to waste it. If I'm going to go through something hard, I'd rather learn something from it anyway. I'd rather grow. I'd rather be strengthened. I'd rather learn to uh, rely on God more than I ever have before. It's such a better option than just waiting it out, just waiting for it to be over, isn't it? God is so kind. What can you teach me here, God? Don't set sail from our fears, from our emotions, from our flesh, from our desires, from our impulses, whatever it is. Let's not set sail from that place. Every time we are stepping into the boat as a response to whatever it is, let's just remember, let's not set sail from our fears, from our flesh. And lastly, God's kindness and refuge is available to me even where I didn't expect to be. Praise God for that. Why don't you stand? We're going to pray together before we head out. And if you are in that place this morning where you're like, yes, I am in that place where I did not expect to be. (laughs) We're going to have people over here. Come and pray with someone. The best thing that we can do is bring our needs to God. It's the most powerful, most secure place we can bring our needs. Why would we try and do this on our own? You've got nothing to lose. Let's pray. Let's pray together if you need to do that. So let's just take a moment and still ourselves. God, we just thank you for your goodness toward us in every season, Lord. In the seasons that feel difficult, I pray for those people now, God, the people who are in seasons that feel difficult. It feels like a prison. It feels like it can't be fruitful. Firstly, God, I pray for your comfort and your peace. And Lord, as you strengthen these people and comfort them and bring your peace, I also pray, Holy Spirit, that you would just lead them to see beyond and to ask the question, what can I learn here? What do you want to teach me, God? What do you want to say to me, God? And Lord, I also want to thank you that no matter where we have ended up, that it's not too far away from you, that you are right there. And just like on the island where Paul found himself unexpectedly, without provision, cold and hungry and just needing so many things, God, just like you met him there, I thank you that you still meet us. You meet us where we are, God. Holy Spirit, I thank you for your provision Thank you for a peace that we cannot explain in those situations. Lord, I pray that we would draw so close to you in these prison times, in these shipwreck times, whatever time it is. I pray we would draw so close to you that we would just hear your voice clearly in everything. And I thank you, Lord, that you don't look at any of these things, any of these seasons and go, oh, that's too hard. Oh, you're done. I can't use you. You never say that, God. But Jesus, you say, come to me. Come to me. Come to me and I'll give you rest. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Oh, Jesus, we thank you. 
We thank you for this beautiful message that that Paul just did everything in his power to just spread and to share and to promote Jesus. You are better than everything. You are better than everything, Jesus. So I pray for each person now as we go from here. I pray you would just bring to mind just this picture, even just of this boat this morning that as we make these decisions heading into Christmas, heading over the holidays, God, that you would help us to respond empowered by your Holy Spirit and not hindered by our flesh. So we thank you, God, that none of this is too hard for you. God, I just speak your peace and your joy over every person here as we head out. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're always speaking and you're always moving. And as we head out into this week, that you are always with us. We thank you, God. We thank you, God. Let us never take it for granted that you are with us, Lord. So pray all of these things in Jesus' name. And the whole church said, Amen. Amen.